1: The joy that was set before him, that, it, that that gave him the joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we should see in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus, that he had this joy that was set before him that he focused on, and that gave him the power to endure the cross. But what was the joy? What was the joy that the Lord Jesus saw that was set before him? It was the joy of Hebrews 2.10. The joy of Hebrews 10 where it says for it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect suffering." so it was his sufferings on the cross that enabled the lord jesus to bring many sons to glory that was the come along now you're going to be part of the many sons i'm bringing to glory that makes the lord very happy just picture that scene i mean Picture us in that scene with our tattered rags. We look like a homeless person, not a well, not a very good condition homeless person. And the Lord, and 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 the Lord says to us, "Well, now you just come with me. You come with me to your mansion for Trinity. Look, you got to change those clothes. Get to get rid of those clothes, and and now put on some pure white, spotless robes of righteousness." And what and, and don't take a lot of time dressing. Hurry up! You got to make it to the marriage supper of the lamb. And so the Lord sees us at the marriage supper of the lamb. We're all cleaned up. We're looking beautiful with those spotless white robes of righteousness. And the Lord sees us and he makes them very happy. And what Joseph, what made Joseph so happy, was to see how God had mened him to good when he was sold into slavery. And and, and Joseph sees that good that God meant him to. And, and, and Joseph, like I said, he's tempted to say it was good when I was sold into slavery. It wasn't just a hollow, well, God is good statement that, that Joseph made. I mean, Joseph had taken the time to carefully look and to see what God did when he said, in the end of verse 20, as it is this day to save much people alive. It's interesting, it's interesting that Joseph says as it is this day You know, that that, that sounds like a statement that maybe will be heard in heaven. I don't know, but it could be replayed in heaven when people talk about as it is this day from heaven. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like when the day comes when we'll be in heaven and we'll look at all those that we witnessed to and forgot about and and, and those same ones have have gone on, we didn't know. They went on to receive the Lord. And we haven't seen them since, we witness witnessed them, we'll be in heaven, and we'll see them there, and we'll say, hey, what are you doing here? You know, I, I just remember that dear couple that came to our apartment in Cincinnati and brought me the gospel, and I was, I was classically rude to them. <laughs> I had classic rudeness. And, and I told them to leave, that I wanted nothing to do with your God. And and, and and I've never seen that couple again. And all I can think of, all I can think of is how they must have left and said to themselves, well, that was a waste of time. I mean, there's no hope for that fellow. It's hell for him for sure. And I can just imagine in heaven when I do say that, see them, that they're going to say to me, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> and you know what I'll be able to say? Verse 20. I'll be able to say, God meant it unto good, as it is, and to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save me alive. And that will be a glorious day, when we see all those that we thought that, that, that we left some on earth, no hope for them, and we'll be able to say, wow, as it is this day, save much people alive. That's why none of us should ever state that we know for sure that this person, or that person, is in hell, was cast into hell when he died now burning in hell. We should never say that. We should never, we, 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 why should we never say that this particular person or is for sure in hell? Because we are the people of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of love and we are the people of love. And one verse in that chapter applies in this situation. When it describes the people of love in verse 7, First Corinthians 13: 7 when it says love charity love uh, uh, love believeth all things hopeth all things now when you apply that verse to the gospel the that believeth all things and when you apply that to the power of the gospel and specifically Romans 160 Romans 1 16, which says for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Where that word power is the Greek word dunamis, dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. So another way to read this verse in Romans one sixteen is to see it with that meaning, and to and 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 uh, and, to, and to see it in this amplified manner, Romans one sixteen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is as powerful as the dynamite of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew, first, and also to the Greek. And we know the gospel, we, we, that means that we know the gospel is as powerful as dynamite, which is able to blow up rock. And we know how dynamite is used. Dynamite is used to blow up rock. And, and so another, another read on that that. Uh, that verse would be I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it's God's dynamite that's so powerful it will blast through the hardest rock hearts of man to give God salvation and that gospel that gospel dynamite will first look at the hardest heart of a Jewish person first and it will blast through it to save that Jewish person and then that gospel the dynamite will then look at the hardest heart of a Gentile person and will blast through that to, to that gen, say that Gentile person. And just as we know, that it, it doesn't matter what kind of rock it is, it doesn't matter what kind of rock dynamite is used for, if it's used for granite or as we have the Takati blue granite, super hard rock, or you just see on the, the road there as you drive to Tijuana Takati, you see the blast through there, cut through it, blue, that's blue granite. Or it's on quartz, or it's on compressed carbon, dynamite is going to work, it's going to break it all up, it's just that powerful. It doesn't matter if it's a hard Russian heart, or a hard Indian heart, or a hard American heart, or a hard atheistic European heart, God's gospel dynamite is able to break through it to save that Russian, and that Indian, and that European, and that American As as God said in Jeremiah 23, 29, Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And God's word is that way. It's like a fire. And those who were walking on the road to Emmaus, they experienced that when they said in Luke 24, 32, Luke 24, 32, they said one to another, "Did not our heart burn within us while well, he talked with us? By the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures, see, did not our heart burn within us? Is not, not uh, uh, that, that that's that's a description, by the way, of a good heart burn? Right? <laughs> the heart comes from the burn; that comes from God's heart. That's the only heart burn that we should pray for. It reminds me of when we were <clears throat> when we were looking for property to have our goats on." for the first Scanabody's ranch in 1978. You may remember this, Don, and we bought that – well, of course, they were given by that, a lot of people remember this – but we bought that infamous property three miles down the dirt road section of Willow Road and Lakeside, and it was just about the worst property you can imagine for what we needed it for, almost straight up and down, with huge boulders we couldn't even climb to the top of, and that property. Forced us to put 300 goats on less than an acre, smack up against our house, and people looked at that, looked at that and said, "Oh, why did you do something so stupid as to buy that property for 300 goats? That's crazy." Well, that was that. The truth is, that was not the only property we considered. There was another property that we looked at; it was really perfect—a nice, gentle slope. It was at the base of San Vicente, there with the San Vicente Dam above it, right by the Arrowhead plant on Highway 67 if you've ever been out that far. Okay. And, and and there were no boulders on that property, and it would have been perfect. Lots of land for 300 goats. So much better than putting 300 goats with us in a sardine can. <laughs> but there was only one property, one, one problem. There was only one problem with that property near the San Vicente Dam. It was under the Francisco City Dam. But on the other side of that mountain was a dynamite factory. <laughs> you remember that? I don't know, you remember that? And, and, and I don't know if that dynamite factory is still there, maybe it didn't no, do something. <laughs> but the, the power of dynamite and the problem of locating the, next to a dynamite factory underneath the dam just didn't seem like a good idea. So, so we endured on the other property for 10 years on property impossible. I always think of that whenever I read Romans one sixteen about the power of dynamite to break through the hard rock, and we believe that, and we apply that knowledge to First Corinthians thirteen seven. This verse, First Corinthians thirteen seven: Love believeth all things, hopeth all things. So we, as people of love. We say we believe all things. In other words, we are so believe we so believe, we are so convinced that the dynamite power of God's gospel, that when it says love believes all th- things, that means that we as a people of God, people of love, we believe that God's gospel dynamite can blast through the most hard heart. Even the heart of that person that we want to write off is unsavable. unsavable. And when the verse says that love hope all things, that means that we as the people of love, we look at, at what appears to be the most unsavable person and we hope for that person to be saved that means when a person that, 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 that when a person we brought the gospel to has been uh, classic rude or <laughs> classic abusive that we look at that person and we say, okay I hope to see you in heaven or, see you in heaven next and that's why we should never conclude that any particular person was cast into hell or was burning in hell, because we don't know the private transaction that takes place between God and that person all the way up to the point of death, like at the cross where the thief was, who at the point of death was told by the Lord Jesus, that in Luke twenty-three, forty-three, Luke twenty-three, forty-three, Luke uh, Jesus said unto him. Verily I say unto you, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's why when people say to me, Well what about those Jews? You know, those Jews, all those Jews that died as cattle in the gas chambers of Hitler. Are they gonna you're telling me they're gonna be in hell now? And my reply is always, I don't know. I don't know what happened to any of those persons. I know that they all have their own individual choice. They all have their own individual opportunity. And only God knows what, what, what happens. Only God can say what happened to each one of those people. And, and it, it's, just a, another, it's just another thing that's above my paycheck. I have a lot of things that are above my paycheck. But all, all I knew, all I know is what is what Abraham knew when he said in Genesis 18.25, Genesis 18.25, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. All I know is, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So when it comes to God being the judge of all the earth, God's doing it right. And and, and that's good enough for me. Now, so when Joseph looked around in verse 20 at all the people who were saved alive, he said, wow, as it is this day, save much people alive. And, and we're looking forward, as I mentioned, to that day in heaven, when we're going to look at all the people saved, and we're going to say the same thing. What a day this is today, is I, like Joseph, can look at all these people who are saved, and say, all these people are saved alive. You know what's really interesting? When you think about Joseph saying this in verse 20, you go back in your mind, you go back in your mind to, to the dreams that, 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 that Pharaoh had and the
0: interpretations
1: that that, 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 that that God gave to Joseph to, to interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. So when you think about that, when you think about Pharaoh's first dream, you know, the fat cattle feeding by the Nile and the skinny cattle coming out of it and eating up the fat cattle and then the skinny cattle staying skinny, and then you think about Pharaoh's second dream of the fat corn on the stalks and the skinny corn, coming along and eating up the fat corn and staying skinny corn now when you think about those two dreams that Pharaoh had let me ask you a question was there any indication in those two dreams that Egypt was going to be saved from this terrible famine was there any indication in those two dreams that a Joseph was coming who would deliver Egypt from destruction was there no, there wasn't. It was doom and gloom. It was, there was not. It was just like a doom and gloom message. There was not an indication that something wonderful is going to happen to, Paris, to Egypt. There was no indication of, uh, you know, the, the skinny cattle will survive and get fat. I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> it just wasn't saying something terrible is going to happen. And that meant that for just a pure interpretation of the dreams that the future for Egypt was curtains, it was finished, it was the end, it was destruction from famine. So when Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, you know, Joseph saw the fat cattle and from the fat corn that there was gonna be seven years of great plenty in Egypt, and when Joseph saw from the skinny cattle that ate up the fat cattle and the skinny corn that ate up the skinny corn that there was gonna be seven years of famine, and Joseph said that the famine was going to be so terrible that everybody was going to forget about the years of plenty. In other words, Joseph saw the famine was going to destroy Egypt. And really, from all the information that Joseph saw, you know what Joseph could have done? He could he, he could have just stop there when he said in, in Genesis forty one twenty five. Genesis forty one twenty five, and it says there. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream affair was one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. Keep in mind that what he's going to say here is God's about to destroy Egypt. The seven good kind are seven years. The seven good years are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin, ill favored kind that came up after them are seven years. The seven empty corns, plastered with the east wind, shall be seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of that famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that dream, that was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now that was the interpretation of the dream. And from that point, Joseph could have just walked away and said, well, sorry, Pharaoh to tell you the bad news. I'll be going now. <laughs> and you know what that's like, if that had happened. That would be like us going to the lost and telling, well, sorry, but you're in the category of Romans 3.23. For all its sin to come short of the glory of God. Well, you know, you've sinned like everybody else. You fell short. You didn't make it. You failed to live up to the glory of God, which is the righteousness of God. Then to go on and tell them just the first part of Romans six twenty three Romans six twenty three. Well, the wages of sin is death. Sorry to tell you this, but the wages of sin is death. So that means that for you, hell is your destination. So you better just enjoy yourself during these seven years of plenty down here on earth, because it's going to be seven years, which is going to turn into an eternity of famine in hell. Which reminds me, <clears> that all reminds me of the last meeting I had. With the oncologist at the Mayo Clinic in 1971, 70. 70 uh, no, no, it's 2000. Anyways, it was some time. No. it was long. Time. No, anyway, several years. Okay, where, where I went for, for for 10 days to Mayo Clinic for extensive testing after I learned that I have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and it, and and it, it was in the wintertime, and it got down to 40 below in Rochester, Minnesota. If you don't know that, don't go to Rochester, Minnesota. The windows in the hotel froze. And that just kind of added to the cold feeling of not knowing the outcome of what was going to happen to me. And and so for 10 days, it was all ultrasounds and x-rays and CT scans and PET scans and MRIs and exam after exam until finally on Friday evening, there was the final meeting with the oncologist at around 6 p.m. And Cheryl and I went there to his office at the Mayo Clinic there, we sat down, he had my chart opened on his desk, he had in front of him all these papers, spread, all the test results, and the light was dim in his office, and he said, he said well, you know, I'm not quite sure what the course should be, so I'd have to. i like to call my colleague at Harvard about your case. Okay. So he called the colleague, Gets on the phone with them, discusses, and the discussion is, Think it's a good idea to inject his spinal column with methotrexate because the cancer might also be hiding in his brain. He gets off the phone and he tells me, you know, my colleague at Harvard thought it's a good idea to inject methotrexate, and 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 and, well, I knew about methotrexate and what it could do, and I I, and I looked at it and said, I don't think
0: so.
1: (laughs) And and then he closed the chart again, and it was dinner time, and he said to us. Really, he said this. He said, you know, if I could think of the best restaurant here in Rochester, where I would go if it was going to be my last dinner, this is where I'd go. And he gave the name of the restaurant. That was the meeting. That was all. In essence, he said, there's no hope. So what do you think Cheryl and I did that night? We went to that restaurant, and the food wasn't happy but it was a pretty somber meal but it, 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 and some christians are like that when they talk to the lost they just talk about how hopeless their situation is as sinners they're on their way to hell they don't give any hope of the gospel and not acting like people of love they, they don't believe all things especially don't believe in the power the dynamite power of god's gospel to breakthrough and, and and save the hardest heart they don't hope for every person to be saved and the evidence that they don't hope for every person to be saved is that they're not giving the gospel to every person they can, and that's what. The, and, and, and this is what Joseph could have done when he saw and gave the interpretation of the dream. I mean, from Pharaoh's dream, all that all he saw was seven years of plenty, seven years of the most terrible famine imaginable that made the years of plenty forget, be forgotten. And from the dreams, Joseph saw no hope. For, for Egypt to be saved from the dreams Joseph just saw no indication that the people of Egypt were going to survive, they're going to live from the dreams, Joseph did not see himself saving Egypt from sure death, from the dreams Joseph only saw the death of Egypt, and that's like us with the lost, when we look at the lost in their sin, we see no indication that they're going to be saved, especially for going door to door among the Jewish people in the summer blitzes I mean, literally millions of doors, of the millions of doors that the summer blitzers have knocked on, you know there's not been one door that's open, and a Jewish person says, oh, come in, I've been waiting for you, you know, now tell me, what must I do to be saved? I mean, there's been nothing seen in the millions of doors that would indicate a coming salvation. It's just like Joseph, when he saw from Pharaoh's dreams, there was not any hope for Egypt to be saved.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration only $99 includes a 2-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619 619- 599-1104 1104 Or sign up at ReachIsrael.com That's ReachIsrael.com What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California.